Today's date is October 27th, 2023, and this is episode 45 with Pastor Chad Peck. Hi, punks. Going to school, huh? Yeah. Why don't you play fish hooky and come fishing with us? Yeah, boy. They're sure biting. Get thee behind me, Satan, and don't push. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Now Jesus went to the desert 40 nights and 40 days. When he got tired and hungry, to his father he would pray. But the devil came to Jesus, said, if you want to be fed, why don't you turn these big old worthless stones to bread? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil came to Jesus to the temple up on top. And he said, if you are the son of God, you fall for this golden rock. A of scripture says that angels will slow your falling down. And they'll gently put your feet back on the ground. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil gave to Jesus, doing mountaintop to shove all the cities and the nations and the kingdoms here below. And the devil gave told Jesus, you can have all that you see. If you will just bow down and worship me. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, he said, don't tempt the Lord thy God. Hello and welcome to This Is an official Godcast. Thank you, each and every one of you, for joining us. I'm Ron Johnston, and I'm here with my co-host, Flight Works Mary. And tonight, giving his testimony, our special guest, Pastor Chad Peck. Let's first welcome Mary. Flight Works, what's going on? Hi there. Hello. How are you doing this week? I'm doing good. It's getting really cold here. Winter is upon us. 
my peppers did not change colors, so I gave up. It's going to freeze tonight. So you get your first freeze tonight? I think so. Yeah, it's going to be 28. Yeah, yeah. We're supposed to be getting so, ours this week, too. Yeah. That's okay. And yeah, so other than that, and then, uh, well, we got a big dance tomorrow at the ranch. It's a harvest party. It's an annual fall wing ding. Harvest party. Yeah, we can't forget about last week. Um, Matt from Michigan, oh, he's got his harvest yeah. party going on tomorrow night. Yes. In uh, Eaton Rapids, Michigan. If anyone's, if anyone's in that area, projectfarmsstand.com. You'll be able to find the information on that. That was a great episode last week. Matt, thank you oh, for joining it sure us. it was. Yeah, so there's all kinds of opportunities to do something in all states. <laughs> opportunities, that's what we want. Yeah. Next week, we're going to have our guest, Jay Cress. Yes. We're all excited about that. Yes. It's going to be that a big be slice good. of comfort pie. We're going to like that. Yes. And then uh, after that, the week after that, we have... Angie Witcher, who is going to bring us a story like one that we haven't heard yet, like no other. And you don't want to miss okay. out on that one. Okay. Uh, it's going to be very moving. Bring your Kleenex for tears of joy, tears of sadness. It's going to be fun. <laughs> should we welcome our guests this week? I think we should. Yes. Pastor Chad Peck, how are you? I'm great, man. Uh, it's good to be with you guys. This is going to be fun. I see all you smiling through that opening song. Do you like that song? I love that song, actually. <laughs> I listen to a couple of your podcasts now, and it's like, I don't want to say it's my favorite part, but I love hearing it. <laughs> I love it, too. <laughs> I wish I could sing better, man. <clears throat> it's pretty It's pretty catchy. It's I, like that it's, catchy. I like that it's biblical. You know, there's there's so many... There's so many, uh, you know, worship songs out there, but this one's straight from the book, man. Almost every word of it. You gotta love that. Uh, Chris in Michigan. Are you listening, Chris? I see you in our live chat. This guy doesn't live too far from you, Chris. You might want to come down to Pastor Chad Peck and check out his church. Where are you at, Chad? Are you in Gaines? Is your We're church in Gaines? In Gaines Village. Yep. Gaines Village, okay. 123 Lord Street in Gaines, yep. Say that again? One, two, three, Lord Street in Gaines. Nice. Yeah. Uh, for the listeners, Chad and I knew each other. How long have we known each other? Seven, eight years, maybe? <laughs> Been a long time, yeah. And uh, Chad's a business owner. He owns a business called Dent Knockers. And if you've got a dent or a ding in your car, he'll get it out. And there's a lot of people in that business. And I was telling Mary before the show that, um, you know, it's pretty cool when you can take a dent out of a car, but when you can take a door ding out of a body line, it's amazing work. And I was telling her there's, there's nobody more talented than this guy right here. Um, and he, he spends time training others, his craft. Um, but he's, he's far none, one of the best that are out there. So, Chris, in Michigan, you got any dents or dings in your car? You better get a hold of this guy. Uh, past your peck down in Gaines. One, two, three, Lord. And I got a big one. I have a big one, Chad. Here. I backed into somebody at work. Well, unfortunately, we're booked into March right now from that hailstorm. So. <laughs> are you really? That's we awesome. Really are. Yeah. 
I backed into somebody who was visiting my boss at work. <laughs> it couldn't get any worse. Yeah, I bet that went really well. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. So I got to finish the story. So, so Mary gets on Facebook, the uh, snake pit. And gets a Godcast page going, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go and activate my old account. It's I closed it out right when they told me to shut up about how I feel about COVID and everything else a couple years ago. And I got out of there. And then uh, so I opened it back up, and, uh, you know, and I, I pretty much deleted most of the stuff on my profile, but I just kept a few friends on there. But you were one of them, Chad, and you pop up, and you're on this pulpit preaching, and I'm like, wait a second, that can't be the same chat I know, is it? And it is. So amazing. So so six years ago, seven years ago, when we parted, where was God in your life? Was was he part of your life then at all? Uh, yeah, he was part of my life. But, you know, it's interesting when you start learning more and more about God and just the the whole growth process that takes place. You know what I mean? How, okay. you know, I, when I was 16, I, I had met my wife now uh, in high school and uh, her parents are hardcore Pentecostals and they had brought me to church a few times and it was, in, it was just an interesting experience, let's say that. And so through that, it was something that I avoided actually. And then when I had met you, which was years down the road, I had been involved in several different denominations and I still wasn't taking things seriously. Let's just say that. Okay. You know, I, I had, That's fair I had lived a very worldly lifestyle. Well, so. I'm going to, I'm going to stop you right there. Cause I don't want you to get too into your testimony. Um, yeah. but that was, I just, I don't remember that part of you. You know, we had, we had a friendship that was based on chickens. Remember <laughs> chickens and jokes. Yeah. We used to talk about chickens and tell jokes and, and, uh, we just enjoyed each other's conversation. You know, yeah. we're both many chicken farmers and, uh, we used to process our own chickens. I was telling Mary, I used to do them myself when I was younger. And now I just, I just don't have the uh, interest anymore. I sent them out to get processed, but, but I remember you and your wife, you guys were processing chickens. That was something that we had talked about, but okay. yeah, but I don't remember sharing that part you sharing that part of your life with me. So it wasn't anything that was outspoken at the time. No, really? not at okay. all. Okay. Uh, not even close. Okay. Okay. That's good. Drastic, drastic changes in my life. Let's say that. All right. So, you we're... know, God takes you to the gutter before he picks you back up. Usually, you know, <sighs> I've been there. <laughs> I think I've been to the gutter two or three times. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we get into your testimony, if we can, let's uh, let's start. Let's open up with a prayer, if we can, please. So everyone that's listening, please bow your heads. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing us with another Friday here with our loved ones, our friends, and our family. Thank you, love, for putting this ministry before us. It's an incredible joy to share what you and your son, Jesus Christ, has done in all of our lives. I pray everything that we say here tonight honors and glorifies you, Father. Thank you for Chad. Thank you for having him here tonight. Yeah, thank you for having him here tonight with us. But, but thank you, Father, for the great example of what he's become and what he's accomplished through you, Lord. Tonight, 
Uh, we also pray for salvation. I ask that if there's anyone listening, Father, that doesn't know your son, Jesus Christ, I, I ask that you, sh- you help them, you show them their need for salvation through your son. And bless us with tonight, Father. I ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Ron. Pleasure's mine. All right, Chad, you ready to get into it? Yeah, I'm ready. I got to tell you, man, I've been excited about this because, um, just, just because I know you and I've been interested, (laughs) I've really been interested to hear your story. Um, it's, it's, it's great seeing, you know, where, where people have come from and, and where they are now. And, and I'm amazed at where you are now, Chad. I, I certainly am. It's, I appreciate it's, that. Uh, you're a great example of what a strong, godly man is in a world, in this world today. And uh, much of us would do good to follow you, to follow your lead. Thank you, man. Amen. Thank you for being you, brother. Glory be to God for all that. Let's get that straight, first of all. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. All right, man, the floor is yours. Tell us what God's done in your life. So I guess we should just start at the beginning, you know. Um, I grew up in a household that I never heard anything about God. Um, God was not part of the equation in my childhood growing up. Um, It was more of partying, um, alcohol with my parents. Both my parents were alcoholics. I remember going to the bar all the time with them and getting a handful of quarters and going and playing pinball machines and and different games and just keeping me occupied while they hung out at the bar and uh, not really having any godly influence in my life at all. Just more more of a do as you please mentality. I guess sort of the same thing you see in the world today. Um, just whatever feels good in the moment. Um, that's what I kind of grew up with. <laughs> it, it, you know, we, we, we were, we had a great lifestyle. My parent parents provided for me very well. We actually used to race motocross all the time on Saturdays and Sundays. So church wasn't really an option, even though it wasn't something they were interested in anyways, we were so busy all the time. And that's something that concerns me too with some of the people that even come to my church, uh, just that we tend to make idols out of these things in life that it just, we, God becomes second place. And, and in my life, God wasn't even on the radar growing up. And so coming into high school, I still hadn't learned much about God, to be honest with you. Uh, I had thoughts of who God was in my mind without any biblical reference whatsoever. Um, but as far as like knowing who the actual real God was, I wasn't even sure if I believed in God. Um, it was something that was just, I, I remember having these thoughts, like, is there a God? What was there? Was the big bang real? Is, is God a real thing? Did, were we created by God? And having this inner battle in my mind of like, what was real? Uh, it was something that was, it was confusing. Um, but it was, I, as I look back, I find it interesting that I was even having those thoughts to begin with, which was 
only by the grace of God that he would even be drawing me back then. But to come into uh, 11th grade, I think it was when I met my wife now, Stephanie's her name, and we were 16 years old. And like I said, her, her parents were heavy into the Pentecostal church. Uh, they went to youth group every Wednesday. And I started getting invited to youth group and I just felt like this outcast. Um, and when I went to church with them on Sundays, it was just a unique experience and something so foreign to me that it didn't really resonate with, with what I thought I wanted to do at the time. I, it wasn't fun. It wasn't entertaining. It didn't seem like people I'd like to hang out with. Um, and so I wasn't really drawn to it by any means. And I would go occasionally with my, my girlfriend, Stephanie, at the time, and I would have talks with my father-in-law his name's guy and he would say some things and none of it made sense and slowly god began to work on me but throughout that process i mean i, I was into drugs um occasionally alcohol partying all the time uh, I, 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 uh, I, was, I was addicted to pornography at a time in my life during this time, I had a lot of a lot of negativity going on, but it felt great in the moment and at the time. And so, through all that, though, we started to get more and more involved in the church. I would say I'm 38 years old now. I would say in my mid 20s, I started taking church a little bit more seriously, but but not much. Um, and we would go more frequently, but still not very frequently. Uh, me and my my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, we, we lived together before we were married. Um, we did a lot of things that we shouldn't have done together. Usually I was the one drawing her away from God, looking back. And something that was interesting as you start to analyze the situation and to realize the influence that you have on others around you um, that, that respect you and love you. And that's what's so great about where I'm at now, not to jump too far ahead, but that I see the influence I have for God now, which is amazing. But to get back to it, yeah, we went to a place called Duran Church of God, and um, it's a Pentecostal charismatic church. And we started going there quite frequently, I would say, when I was maybe 27, 28 years old. And there was a pastor there, and it was her father-in-law's good friend. And he was a great speaker. He, I mean, you know how those Pentecostal churches are. They get you going. They get you fired up. And he was real good at that and uh, making you feel good. I and, think Mary uh, grew up Pentecostal too, didn't you, Mary? No, I actually grew up Lutheran. Were you? Okay. I grew up at a Pentecostal church, so I know where you're coming from. Yeah. Everything's short of handling snakes over my church, man. Everything's short of handling snakes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're speaking in tongues and, and everything. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, well, yeah. Our church now, though, is I'm still a Lutheran, but, or I, I'm a Christian, but, you know, we're, we're very charismatic. So, totally know what you mean. We, we operate in the gifts of the spirit, all of them. So, yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, and that's what it, and, I have my opinions about that, but that's not what this is about. But it, it really did turn me off. 
um, as uh, not being someone firm in my faith and then coming in and, I mean, from a worldly perspective, hearing people speak in gibberish is what I would call it. Um, it was just strange. Yeah. It was something that you couldn't relate to. And uh, it was something that, honestly, when I initially started going to that church seriously or, or somewhat seriously, it was something that pushed me away from God. Um, it caused me to question the genuineness of the church and the people in the church just by the the randomness of these things that were that I seen take. And that was just like from, a, I would say like, a, I don't want to use, I mean, maybe common sense where it was like, and from a worldly perspective where it's like, what is going on here? And like, why is this person speaking in, in this gibberish? And then this other person speaks and interprets what they were saying. And, and just back then, I just remember thinking like, this is weird. And, uh, it's hard to understand as a, but to each the home. Yeah, it was just, it was just interesting. And, um, so from there though we we went to that church for a long time um several several years and then after that we her her father and or my father-in-law left that church and went to another church as pastor and this was also a, a independent pentecostal church and um the same things were taking place there and we went there for quite a bit of time too and in this process, I'm starting to read my Bible more and study more and still very uneducated in scripture. Still not sure what's going on, but I have a firm belief in God. I just don't really know who God is at this point in time in my life. Still living for God and very worldly at the same time. Still doing many things I shouldn't do, but then going to church on Sunday. And it was just an interesting time in my life. and. What was interesting about that period of church was I would hear things taught from my father-in-law and I just didn't, uh, I didn't, and I, and again, I didn't know my Bible very well, but it just didn't seem true or right. And I don't think that he was doing anything maliciously or anything. It was just, didn't, didn't resonate with me, I, I guess you could say. And so we continued to attend that church for a while. They asked me to be the youth pastor. I didn't think that was a good idea at the time. And then, so what we did was we ended up leaving that church and, and going on this mission and going to any denomination, any church in the area that we could find and just seeing what it was like and, and seeing where we might fit in and, and how... I fit in with God in a, a certain area or a certain denomination or whatever it was. I, we weren't sure. I just knew that that needed to be part of my life, but I didn't know how to like implicate it or to make it happen or if we would ever fit in anywhere really. And I, I was a very prideful individual. I was somewhat reckless at times. Um, I would say I was arrogant at times for sure definitely critical of of everything and it was judgmental would be a good word and a know-it-all with with knowing nothing let's put it that way <laughs> a know-it-all with knowing very little about scripture but 
having this intuition of of what I thought was right. And so we ended up, I mean, this would be, what is it, 23, I would say this would be maybe five years ago now, we end up at this Baptist church down the road. And what was interesting about this is we drove all over the place up to 45 minutes away to go to church. And 30 seconds down the street, there's this Baptist church and never went to it, drove past it. I don't even know how many times. And we finally decided to go. And well, what happened was it was actually the first time I'd ever been to church by myself. My my wife, I can't remember why off the top of my head she didn't want to go or she, she couldn't go. But I told her, you know, I'm going to go to this church by myself. And and she was in shock. And I mean, looking back, I think I am as well. <laughs> but uh, I went and I went, no kids with me, just me by myself. I, I drove into this church and man, it felt like home. It was an interesting experience. And people were just friendly and and what i had heard wasn't it what it didn't turn me away it just felt like someone was actually teaching me the bible for a change yeah and that's what i had been seeking and i realized that that and and i'm not against pentecostals or anything like that but i wasn't looking personally for the emotional experience or the the emotional things i, I just wanted somebody to teach me the bible and I, after we went to all these different churches, I, I realized how hard that was to find. And so it's amazing, isn't it? I've I've been to a couple churches too, and they get you got some guy at the pulpit, and he never cracks a Bible open; he just talks. It's, <laughs> it's like I don't want your opinion on this, man. I want to hear the word. Yeah, I want I want the word exposited. Yeah, um, that's why I'm a huge fan of expository preaching now, and that's what it, we try to stick to that at our church too, even though. We do get topical here and then, but uh, we actually, not to get off subject, but we just, we were on the last chapter of First John, finally, and it took a long time to get through it. You'd be amazed. Mary, but, um, you look like you have a question, Mary. I do. What is expository for those that don't know? Expository preaching is picking, I mean, it could be one verse, it could be one chapter of a specific book, but, but what I would call uh, literal expository preaching would be picking a book in the Bible and starting at the beginning, verse one, and going all the way to the end and teaching exactly what that text means in proper context. And week by week, uh, going through and just learning what scripture says and means. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it, it does a, a couple things that that does is it, it takes away the, well, what I've found is it, it makes it way easier for preaching because you don't have to worry about what you're going to preach on next Sunday. It comes to you. The Bible tells you what you're going to preach. Um, but, and it just, it keeps people involved and they can, they, they know what's coming next. That they can, they can look ahead and study ahead and it helps people kind of hold you accountable that you are teaching what it actually means. And I mean, the amount of growth I've seen in some of the men at my church since we've been open in April is is beyond amazing. It's 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 it 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 would bring a tear to your eye, and and it's great. It's it's I mean, again, not to get off subject, but but one of my main men that come to church used to hate me on Facebook. <laughs> Literally would would argue with me on everything, and I'm not arguing with him, but I'm just I would I would answer biblically when he would ask me a question. And his wife comes to church now too. They actually just got married a couple of weeks ago, 
but his they got to the point where he'd get so angry and mad at me and i met him at a dealership too by the way ron but uh he uh his wife told him his girlfriend at the time just stop talking to chad why do you talk to chad all the time and uh i'm not sure why he continued to talk to me but one of the things he said he's like man i just can't believe how much you put up with from me and and how you just kept answering things with scripture and with the bible and any and to be honest with you it's the coolest story because i baptized him a couple months ago at my church and so and he's one of my most yeah. most faithful men i have and i mean Praise he doesn't God. miss a bible study he doesn't miss a friday night usually on friday nights right now i'm missing bible study with them i'm gonna I go later but we do wednesday night bible study at seven and that usually goes till about 8 30. friday nights now that's a different story uh, friday nights started out at my house and they start at seven and we've gone all the way till three o'clock in the morning sometimes. Uh, I've had to because of my wife and and children. We we cut it off at 1030 now on Friday nights, but it's still three and a half hour Bible study every Friday night. So to have a man go from hating you and, and disliking everything you say to coming to every Friday night Bible study that's three and a half hours long and hardly ever missing a church service is it's one of the most amazing things that's happened in my ministry so far to be honest with you and it's going to happen again chad it's going to happen oh, again man. because i've been I wouldn't trade it for anything. i've been watching some of your posts on facebook and and you still have those people that hate you and come at you on your facebook pages you still oh, yeah. have them and and oh, yeah. and and you get right back at them biblically too yeah. so so yeah. I got a feeling this guy's not going to be the last one of your haters that you get to baptize. <laughs> I got a feeling. I mean, yeah. it, it's all in God's will, but yeah, I agree. I think you're right. And I think that God has done what he's done in my life for a reason. Um, I don't think I'm anything special, but I think God has great plans for me and, and I'm just along for the ride. So, but getting it's back to the timing yeah. too, you know, it's, it's yeah, God's yeah. timing. Even when you were talking about, that church that was just right, you know, 30 seconds from you. It's, it's all about God's timing and, and opening our eyes when it's the right time. Yeah. It's awesome. 100 yeah. 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 I mean, and that's, you know, uh, and this story goes on. Um, and there's times where I forced things and you are 100% correct. It is, it's all in God's plan. And, and far too often, I think what we do is we try to, do things on our own and do things our way in our time frame and in our timeline. And God's got different ideas and different plans. And, and when we push against him, he'll, he'll definitely put us in our place for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, getting back to the, to the Baptist church, um, it's, it, it's a, a fundamental independent Baptist church that we were going to. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. I'll be honest with you. We ended up becoming members at that church. And the pastor, I'm still friends with the pastor, but at the time he was one of my best friends. Uh, we spent a lot of time together. We, uh, He was discipling me. We would go do door knocking and pass out fly, uh, flyers for the church and handouts for the church. And we were always together. It seemed like it was, it was a, a, a big time of growth in my life. And we even... Uh, and I didn't realize how much it was going to help me out, but we attended a church planting class for like six or eight weeks, I think it was. And um, 
it was awesome because I beat him on that test that we had at the end and I'll never let him let that down. But so, <laughs> but interesting thing happened. Um, they had asked me to teach the youth there and Ron, as you know, I, my business is busy. And so I, I initially I was hesitant to, to accept, um, but I had been asked a couple of times. And so I said, yes, but I'm going to need a few months to like adjust my work schedule and, and to figure it out. And, and I would like you to provide me with curriculum and they were going to do all that. And some months went by and I had made the adjustments that I needed to make. And there was a funeral at the church. I'll never forget this moment. There was this funeral at the church and I love the man that died. He was a great man, very godly man. And we're sitting there and there was two different buildings at the church. There was the sanctuary and then there was like a separate building, which was actually kind of like a house where the kids classes were and stuff. And the pastor was in there. My friend was in there and it was real random and super nonchalant. But we're just having a conversation in the hallway. And out of nowhere, he's like, hey, just so you know, I got a new youth pastor. And keep in mind, this has been a month process, not that month, months long process of me preparing for all of this and adjusting my schedule and my work accounts. And there was no talk of me not doing it. Um, and out of nowhere, it was like, wow, like I didn't say anything. I didn't react in a malicious or angry way. I just was was taken back. And um I'll never forget that moment in my life because it was like this this pinnacle pivot that God had put me on and, and allowed to happen. And so I went home. I remember going home and talking to my wife and telling her about it and being very upset emotionally. I mean, all kinds of emotions, anger and and confusion and sadness. And I felt almost betrayed uh, by a man that I had a lot of respect for and I still have respect for. And so after praying and pondering and thinking about it, I ended up leaving that church. We had, well, what happened was this, we had a three and a half hour meeting, me and that pastor did. And I'm a pretty bold individual. I'm not afraid to, to say how I feel or to speak the truth and and that that can be a blessing and a curse at different times and i had started to realize other things too and and one thing that i remember him always telling me and i'll never take away the amount of growth and learning that i had from this church um was that he told me one of the only reasons you should ever leave a church is because of doctrine and I honestly, at the time, I didn't really know what he meant by that because I wasn't real familiar with doctrine. But going back a few years again, uh, I don't know if you guys know who Alistair Begg is on Truth For Life Radio. But when this really started getting real in my life was through him. And it was when I was going to that, that Baptist church too. And, and I remember driving down the road one day and listening to this sermon by Alistair Begg on Truth For Life. It was 106.5 radio and uh, it's called Self-Control. You can you can Google this on YouTube and, and it's a convicting sermon. Um, Alistair Begg, Self-Control. And he's a Presbyterian. I didn't know that at the time. Not that it matters. 
Um, but I remember listening to that and breaking down crying in my work van. And, and just, it's like, wow, like this guy is describing my life. Like he's describing how I'm out of control and, and, and how, just how falling apart my life actually was. And that's, what's interesting is like people looking at our life from the outside in, it, we have like this perfect little cookie, cookie cutter life, like the cute little family with two cute little kids, but. You know, things aren't always what they are on the inside as they appear to be on the outside. And far too often, I think that's the case with many of us, if not all of us at times. And so going back to that meeting with the pastor, I had what what happened was I started building this huge library in my basement. Um, I mean, I have thousands of theological books now, literally. I can't even... I had to start building the library at the church and there's just no more room for all these books. And I read a lot. And another thing with my job is I get to have headphones on all day. And all I do is listen to lectures and sermons about eight to 10 hours a day. And so the way that my growth has taken place, it's been tremendous to say the least. And I started learning a lot about doctrine before we had this meeting throughout the years. And, and, what I had learned and started to realize, because anytime Alistair Begg, I started, he's what I really got hooked on initially. Excuse me. And uh, anytime I started hearing him recommend a, uh, an author or a book or another pastor, because of, of how much, you know, I'd gone to all these other churches and I didn't hear a lot of tr truth that resonated with my life. And th this man just, it was so impactful and it was so genuine and I trusted him, even though I never met him and didn't know him. Um, funny story about him. I found him on Facebook one time, sent him a message through Messenger about the impact he'd had on my life. He responded very simply and said how much he appreciated it. Glory be to God. And then he blocked me. <laughs> and I thought that was interesting. And I think he did that because I'm sure he probably gets a lot of that stuff. And I And I had almost formed him to be an idol. Uh, I had a lot of respect for this man that I'd never met just because of how much I had learned from him. And uh, the more and more I've grown in my ministry and in, and in God and learned in scripture, the more I've come to understand on why I think he did that. But anyways, what I started to learn was that all these people that were being recommended, I, I got into systematic theology. Then I I got into uh, reformed systematic theology. And then I started learning about things like Pelagianism and semi-Pelagianism and Calvinism and Arminianism and dispensationalism. And, you know, you Lots go down isms. the list. Lots of isms. Yeah, all the covenantal <laughs> theology. And, and so what I really wanted to know was, what do I believe? You know, we, we say that we all believe in God and, and, yeah, we do. But what many of us do is we believe this idol, this this image of God who we create in our mind that's outside of Scripture, but it's the God that we would prefer him to be or that we would like him to be as opposed to the God who actually is the one true God of the Bible. Um, and so like we that was to, like my quest. Like we're trying to make him out of our image? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Image, or the image that we wanted to be, right? Yeah, it doesn't you know? work like that, though. Yeah, 
no, but it's it's what's what we do, you know. And so that was my mission, though. It was it was hardcore. It was it was very straight line. This is what I'm trying to figure out. Who is this God? Because I believe in him, but I want to know who he is. And so, but what I realized is that I lined up a lot with Reformed systematic theology, and and that a lot of the pastors and the and the teachers and the books that I was reading were of that that teaching of that theology of the Reformed theology. So that's Can you why give I us a a little uh, just a brief explanation of what that means. Reformed theology would go back to the Reformation times with Martin Luther when. He nailed his theses to the door of the church, and they reformed away from the, the the religious dogmas and traditions of the Catholic Church. And then you had your different denominations of that. Um, were Reformed Baptists? I mean, then you had your your Puritan times when you had the Puritans, and then coming over and from England, and and the the separation from the Church of England, and you know, you had your your pioneers, your your pilgrims coming over, and then we had the colonies. And most of these people came over to America because they were leaving the Church of England and they wanted to establish true Bible teaching churches right. on their own without the the stronghold of the Church of England over top of them. Right. Yeah. Um, the church history is uh, amazing. Um, I love church history. I think it's something that everybody should should become familiar with if they're not. Uh, it's had a major impact on on my theology and my thinking. Um, but yeah, I I love you know people like Thomas Watson, one of the Puritans. You know, he's the Body of Divinity. If you've never read that that book, it's it's a an adult catechism, and you want to learn who God is and and here's some in depth teachings on on who our Holy Savior and this God actually is body of divinity by Thomas Watson. You cannot go wrong. Um, but yeah, as far as the, the reformation goes, that that's a, a basis of it. Uh, we could have a whole podcast on that, but as far as reform systematic theology, it's based on that reformation period. And it's not that they're reforming or changing anything. It's taking you back to the basics and the, the basic truth of the Bible, of what the church has always taught through the creeds, confessions, and the catechisms of the one true church of God. Um, that's why I think it's real important to understand the the creeds and the confessions and the catechisms, like your the the Presbyterian side would be the Westminster Catechism, um, the Westminster Confession of Faith. Um, we at our church adhere to the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. And it, not everybody who comes to our church has to believe in everything that we teach, but that's where we 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 teach from. That's that's what we believe at our church, and I just I think it's so important that that people understand what they believe about God, and 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 that that they form that belief from a basis of Scripture, and that's what we're doing right now in Bible study. We we go through the confession, and we go through a different portion of the confession each night. And we go as far as we can and, and we go through and I exposit what it means. And we have different uh, different commentaries on the confession from respected men from the reform tradition that that give their opinions on what the confession actually means. And, and, and there's always scripture to back it up. That's what 
I mean, I, I can't emphasize enough that, that you, you go to a church where one, they tell you to open your Bible two they teach you from the Bible and three, you're able to hold them accountable through the Bible. Uh, the Bible is the ultimate authority of God that that's what we hold our teachers accountable to. I, I always tell my church, make sure you listen to every word that I say and anything I say outside of scripture, let me know about it. Show me where I'm wrong and we'll adjust that and I will repent of that. Yeah. Um, thankfully, that's never happened. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. So, so for those who um, those who may not know the um, Reformation, just one of the main tenets of that is that we are saved by grace and not works. And so yes. that that is one of the, the main parts of the Reformation that happened. There's a lot involved with it, but that would be the cliff notes for those that um, would want to know what he's speaking on. So, Yeah, it's, 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 it's the five solas. So you've got sola scriptura, which is by scripture alone. You have solas Christos, which is through Christ alone, sola fide, which is through faith alone, sola gratia, which through grace alone, and sola de la gloria, which is for the glory of God alone. That's the five solas of the rest Reformation. So that's 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 what we base our church on. That's at the bottom of our church sign that it's by faith alone, through grace alone. Uh, it's on your Facebook, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I just uh, recognized that when you said that. Yeah. Uh, through, through the authority of scripture alone, but ultimately for the glory of God alone. Um, and that's what, like, I think that, and I've taught my church this, I made sure I made a point of this, that we don't go to church for ourselves. You know, many people go to the church of, so, oh, what can, what can we get out of this program? What, what can, what kind of kids programs do they have? What kind of youth group? What kind of music do they teach? But we go to church to worship a holy God for his glory alone. Churches, church service is a is is to be set apart from the world and and from ourselves and to to send gr glory up to this holy God that we serve and and what we get out of that is merely a byproduct of that faith and and that's true worship to a holy God and that's something that's been lost in many churches today. Um, it's 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 just something that it. it It'll bring a tear to your eye when you see a genuine worship of somebody who's there just for God, just just for what God has done in their lives and 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 the the benefits of of their children being taught catechism or or, or what they've learned from that teaching that day is is merely a byproduct of them coming to worship God, that their ultimate goal is to to bring glory to God through their worship on that Sunday morning. There's nothing more beautiful than that, in my opinion. As far as like the Baptist church and me leaving that that fundamental and independent Baptist church, it wasn't just that I left because I was not able to be the youth pastor. It was because we disagreed on doctrine. Just like the pastor had said, my mentor, that the only reason you one of the only reasons you should leave a church was because of doctrine. Well, I had come to understand their doctrine which was an arminian teaching and and that i was not an arminian and that that the attendees of that church were and that doesn't mean they're not saved that doesn't mean they're not my brothers and sisters in christ it just means that we had this big difference in theology and 
that difference in theology, that one significant point of Arminianism and what I would call doctrines of grace, what the modern world would call Calvinism, um, it impacts a lot of what you believe in and a little bit of who you believe God is and the authority of God and the sovereignty of God and differences in that. Um, so what we did was we ended up talking to my father-in-law again. And at this time, he had opened up another his own church. He, he was no longer the pastor at the other church. They had bought their own building, downtown Swartz Creek. It was 10 minutes from our house. And he wanted me to be the youth pastor there. And he's like, if they won't want, they don't want you over there. He's like, we would love to have you over here. And we were hesitant because Pentecostal church, Reformed theology, they don't really mesh too well, uh, even lesser than um, a fundamental Baptist church would with a Reformed church or Reformed theology. And so, but I. You know, my wife was excited because she was going to get to see her mom and dad more on Sunday. Kids were going to get to see grandma more because she was teaching the little kids. And there was no youth group, and it was an opportunity for me to try to build this this youth group from nothing, which I saw as a challenge and, and an opportunity. Well, we, we had our first event, and this is – I'm convicted about this event, but we had what was called a slime bash, and, and I had – plastered it on Facebook. We promoted it really well. And we had a huge turnout of kids having this. I mean, we had a dunk tank. We had all this fun activities. And it was it was interesting because we weren't. And, I, and I'll never be. I've always been convicted since that day. But we were drawing people in through worldly behavior. We weren't in worldly influence. We weren't drawing people in for God. I mean, the ultimate goal was God, but we were we were drawing them in. Let's say that. So, like, I always like to say this too: that that the the boat's supposed to be in the water, but the the water's not supposed to be in the boat. And it's the same thing with many churches today: that that instead of being different than the world and set apart from the world and and standing firm to the to the culture of the church and to the Bible, we tend to blend in with the world to ask the world what they would like to to make it so that we can be like the world so that the world wants to come but just because they want to enjoy what the church has to offer as opposed to god and this huge conviction came over me i was youth pastor there for maybe six months and i would say maybe two months in i wasn't in it i i, I didn't i her father, my father-in-law, my, my wife's dad still wasn't teaching what I would say, in my opinion, was biblical doctrine. Um, there was a lot of things taking place that I just didn't agree with. And I didn't want to bring in a bunch of youth and build the youth group up and then have the parents come listen to, to unsound doctrine. And it was just this huge conviction I had. And that may sound bad because it's my father-in-law and i but i love the man to death and and if he listens to this I, I he knows i love him and he knows the disagreements we have um but i i i just in good conscience i couldn't do it and so we ended up leaving that church and going on this mission again uh all over the place i mean we probably went to over 20 25 different churches in this span of time 
just and I learned a lot in that span of time. This is where I was hardcore studying all the time. And I mean, just nonstop in the Bible, nonstop listening to stuff, nonstop, always, 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 always just God had a hold of me. And I remember one of my buddies at work who owns a dealership, he's like, this is just a phase. And I remember even my mother-in-law saying, because I, I could bring people to church. I, I, I know quite a few people and I would bring people to that Baptist church and before all this and they would leave and they'd come for a few weeks and they would leave. And, and so I knew I had some sort of influence over people too, but I didn't want to, I didn't know where to bring them or to ask them to come. And so we ended up going to a few different reformed churches and realizing there's not very many in the area. And the ones that we went to, we just didn't fit in. Like, I'll be honest, one was pretty cultish almost like, it was just weird, uh, almost the complete opposite spectrum of a of the Pentecostal side, uh, very legalistic, um, just interesting. And and then there was another one that we went to that was pretty small. Some friends had gone to it, and we just didn't. It just didn't seem like a good fit. And I remember telling my wife, you know, we're gonna have to open a church if if like if 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 there's gonna be like a real reformed church around. And uh, she's, she, I just remember looking at me like, yeah, okay. Like, how are we going to do that? How, how are we going to open up a church? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. But like, I feel like that's what God wants us to do. And, um, Hey, Chad, I have a question. Yeah. So, um, when you were, um, looking for a church or, you know, some people call it church shopping, I, I think, but, um, do you feel like our, at this point, when you're looking for a church, did you feel like you had that relationship with, with God at this point, um, uh, before you before you started searching for a church, or is that process what actually brought you to the relationship? No, when I was at that Baptist church, I was on fire with God. Uh, that when we were doing all the the church planning classes, and I mean we were, yeah, like. Honestly, I've been on fire with God ever since that Alistair Begg sermon. I remember listening to a sermon one time, mowing my lawn. I don't mow my lawn anymore, but when I was, I remember being on the lawnmower and my, this was funny, but I got my headphones on and I don't remember what sermon it was now. I mean, I listened to so many, but this was years and years and years ago, but I remember just getting hit by what, what the message was. And, looking up at the sky and raising my arms and being like why why have you let me live my life this way for so long like <laughs> what is going on like why you know not in anger almost in just love like thank you for revealing who i was and and you know thank god i'm not who i was and i may not be who i ought to be today but but like Thank God I'm not who I was back then, and glory be to God for that. Astonishment. But, <laughs> yeah, it, and I'm well. The funniest part about that is my wife was watching me mow the lawn randomly, and she's seen me do all this, and I'm like looking at the sky, screaming, raising, raising my arms, and I, I mean, I probably look crazy, but it was it was amazing. But, <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So. 
It was. It's a weird. Yeah. Chad, time to come in and take your medicine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was. I mean, oh, and and I mean, I've never been one to be easily embarrassed. So I, whatever, you know, it yeah. was. And she just thought it was interesting. I think she, her, her, watching her reaction to my whole transition with all this has been very cool and humbling too, because she's known me my whole adult life, you know, and she knows every detail about me and and she sees the genuine change in the character and and who i am and that it's not just some act or some something somebody could do on their own um it's just crazy but so yeah we're going to these all these churches we're at that reformed church and we went there maybe three or four times and it was just not what we what what i thought was going to fit for us. And I was just looking for something long-term. So in between that, we just kept going to different churches for a while, trying to figure out. And then in my head, I'm trying to figure out how am I going to do this? Like I talked to a few people and I had a, uh, started a Bible study at my house and it had like eight people. And, and then it dwindled down to five and six would come. And then somebody new would come and then they'd leave. And, we ended up having five or six core people that would always show up for the most part. And I knew I had this this base, right, of people that that respected what I was teaching, knew I was being as genuine as possible, and that I was just trying to help them learn about God. And so I'm like, you know, I'm gonna start looking for a building. Like and, and if I have to fund this through my business, uh, that's fine. It, I didn't know how it was gonna work out or what we were gonna do, but I started looking and looking and shopping around and there's not a whole lot around where I live. So the options were very limited. And, you know, I, I firmly believe in the divine providence of God. And it was just a, it's a miracle in my mind. But so one day, I mean, I get a lot of books, like I said, and, and one day we're driving down the road and we're going to get a box of books that they, didn't want to drop off at my house because they were they were kind of expensive and I had to sign for them. And so Gaines is small. I mean, I think there's 650 people that live in Gaines. So you get to this little village and you can go left or right. If you go left, there's not much there at all. And if you go right, there's like five stores. Yeah. There's, there's no gas station. There's not much. Yeah. And so we turn left. My son's like, I'm like, I had my, uh, my son with me. I think he was... I think he was nine at the time. And uh, we turned left and I'm like, hey, you want to go through town? And I don't even know why. I mean, there's not even anything to look at. And he's like, sure, you know. And, and we turn left and turn right. And there's this little white church sitting there. And uh, I'm like, man, that's a nice little building. You know, it had a small little parking lot and everything was well maintained. It wasn't falling apart, but it didn't look like anybody was using it. I'm like, what are the odds of that? You know, like that's kind of, I mean, it's five minutes from my house. I'm like, it's like the perfect little church for us. Like I, I bet I can afford that. And uh, there was no way to contact anybody though. So, but my buddy works at the post office and I asked him who owned it. And he's like, you know, I'm not sure. He's like, it used to be at the Catholic church, but they got a new building. He's like, I don't know who owns it. So I put a post on Facebook. I took, went back and took a picture of the building and there's a community page for Gaines. And I took that picture and put it on there. And I said, I want to lease this building. Who owns it? 
somebody tell me and uh got like 35 different comments of who owned this building and they were all over the place the catholic church owns it this guy owns it i think this guy owns it no this guy doesn't own it and then they're arguing about who owns it and uh a week went a week or two went by and i didn't hear anything and like well i guess that wasn't meant to be you know and then randomly i got a message on facebook and this woman said hey i know who owns that building she's like i'm not going to give you his phone number but you give me yours and i'll make sure that it gets to him and so i gave him gave her my phone number and another week or two goes by and i didn't hear anything again and I'm like well i guess it's not meant to be you know and then randomly i get a phone call one day on my work phone and it's it's this guy john and he's like hey i own this building he's like why don't why don't you come have a talk with me <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine. So we go have this meeting and he's like, well, I got this guy who's trying to use it. He's from a city like 20, 30 minutes away and he doesn't really have a big congregation and the congregation doesn't want to drive up here, but he's going to use the image of the church for like his social media to preach from. And I mean, he had speakers there and he had a few different things there. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not trying to steal it out from anybody. I'm not trying to, to, push anybody out i'm like if, if that's what you got going on that's what you got going on and and I, I guess there's nothing i can do you know but we sat and had a couple hour long meeting me and john did and by the end of that meeting he's like hey he's like are you like really going to have like a real church here if i let you use the building and i'm like yeah i mean like we have full intentions of like having a real church like we're going to have a, a social media page for sure but we want to have a real church, you know, like I want people in the, in the pews, you know, and I want to, I want kids in the basement catechizing them. And, and I want this to be a, a real thing. And this is what I feel called to do. And he said, let me, let me make a few phone calls. Let me ha have a talk with the other guy. I can't, I don't think I even knew his name. And a few weeks went by and he said, Hey, you're my guy. I want you, I want, I want you to be in this church. He's like, He's a Catholic guy and he's like, I just want this to be a real church. He's like, a real, he was a altar boy there since he was four years old. So he has this oh, connection yeah. to this church and awesome. he had bought it off the Catholic church for like $50,000 or something, I think. And he put quite a bit of money into it and redid the roof. And I mean, it, it's nice inside. It really is. I, it's just so strange how he felt the, the 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 calling or the initiative to maintain this building for having no intention of having his own church right. but wanting a church there and and wanting a, a protestant church there if any and out of i mean it's just a and let alone a reformed protestant church um being a catholic super interesting you know and uh so you get the the ladies the church basement ladies for real <laughs> Well, you know, the basement was pretty rough, you know, so uh, I spent the next three, four months, almost every evening I lived at that church, putting drywall up and fixing it up and fixing the lights and painting it and getting everything ready so that we could have an actual space for kids class. And uh, it was a second job in and of itself, but I just felt like this is what God wanted. And, and then there was like, literally nothing was going to stop me. And he had, we made an agreement that we weren't going to pay any money for rent or anything until we were open for church. And I had just out of 
free grace and 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 just out of faith, I just started putting my own money into the basement and into that church. And uh, I grew up in construction, so I, I I could do anything, and it's functional. And and it's 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 not perfect. It's not. Uh, I mean, the bathrooms of the church are all in the basement because it's an older church. Uh, so when we went to church planning class, the three biggest negatives of your church that you could have from a worldly perspective as far as having a successful church plant they taught us was location which we're in the middle of nowhere we got we're in a town of 600 people on a side street we're not on some main highway so i'm like oh that's working against us then the bathrooms well ours are in the basement uh not everybody wants to and you can't get to them from the stairs inside because you'd have to go across the the pulpit area and during service so that's not really an option so you have to literally walk outside to go to the bathrooms through a separate outside door to get downstairs to go to the bathrooms and then the, the third negative was uh having a bad parking lot well john was going for this specific look he didn't, instead of putting crushed concrete down there's no concrete or putting down limestone he put this what's called chipstone well it's like sand it doesn't pack down it's and he even says now he spent a lot of money on it, but he's like, man, that was a dumb idea. That stuff's horrible. And so we've got these three things working against us, but I'm like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like right. God will draw people in who, who are meant to come. And, and my whole point was I'm not using any worldly perspectives or, or, or tricks or, or anything to bring people in. We're going to let this grow by the grace of God through just preaching the gospel, which I feel like is like a lost art in this culture in which we live. Yeah. And so we just we finally got everything ready we opened up in april and it was it was slow go um it was i mean we'd have 15 people come 10 people come and i'd always taken the stance that you know like we still don't even have a website up uh, it wasn't about numbers for me it was about having genuine believers and and, and discipling them and so we just which I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere uh, right now. We're in that building until next April, no matter what. I plan on staying there for who knows. I mean, God only knows. I'm not planning on going anywhere. I'm very involved with this community, and and it's it's very cool to see. And we draw people from different town. I mean, some people drive a half hour to get to our church, which is pretty humbling because they pass a lot of churches along the way, but. Uh, just recently, we had like 43 people show up, which was, that's, uh, I think, 43 or 45 or something like that, which is our best numbers. And like I say, we started with five. So as you see a lot of churches shrinking and contracting, uh, I see growth and, and I see commitment. And we have a lot of youth. Uh, I think last week we had like 17 kids or something like that at our church. And so it's really cool to see and we catechize the kids we have we have a curriculum that we use for them and we make sure sure that they're learning biblical doctrine and that they know who god is and the most i mean it was really cool there there was a girl the other day who came up to me her mom came up to me she said her daughter wanted to be baptized and i said okay i'll baptize her but we got to have a, a talk with her first i want to make sure that that she's knows who god is and she's genuinely saved before i baptize her and 
we sat down and had one talk and I was like, well, talk to me the next week and, and just make sure you have to be able to tell me how that you know that you're safe. And she came back the next week and it was really cool to hear her, just how mature this, this young lady is. I think she's 10 years old. She said, Pastor Chad, uh, I'm just, I don't think I'm ready yet to be back. Learn more about God. And it was like, wow, that's so cool to me. Because Can you say that again? I think we should. Can you say that, that again? You cut out for she, just a second. She wanted to learn more. Oh, that that she she decided that she didn't want to get baptized yet. That she wanted to learn more about God and know who he was and be have assurance of her faith before she got baptized. And I, and I genuinely believe that this girl is saved um, based upon her actions and and the things that she said now. And I and I told her that anytime she's ready and she she wants to, that we can do it. But she just, it was a very mature thing for her to, to say that. And, um, more was, people was, should say that. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and what was cool was, so she didn't grow up in a super biblical household either. And it, it was, it was humbling to see that she's forming these opinions. And even her mom, her mom is becoming more faithful and, uh, to, to the church. And she comes to the, most of the Bible studies now and stuff too. And, and so I bought their whole family Bibles so that they would all have the same Bible that I teach from and that they would all have the same Bible to learn together from. And she sent a picture to my wife the other day of her daughter reading that Bible. And she's just like, so thankful that God brought you into our lives. And, and I don't think she understands how thankful we are that God brought them into our lives. And just to see the impact you can have on people for the glory of God alone, by his grace alone, and just literally from teaching the word of god without having i mean we don't have this big youth program we don't have these these big events at our church we don't have nothing special i mean if you came to our church it's very basic it's very just we teach the word of god and and that's what we focus on and 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 that's that's what i'll always stand by because i think it's a lost art in a sense is what you could call it that people are just so caught up in this world and so many of these churches are that they just don't sit, stick to scripture just i mean when when we've seen these these great times of evangelism and these great revivals in, in our nation and around the world these people were just running around on horseback essentially preaching the gospel they had a bible in their hand and god's word coming from their mouth and and god will do amazing things when when you just stick with him and 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 then and then when it's genuine and you're doing it not for your own respect or not for your own glory or not for your own recognition, but you're just doing it for for God. And because God knows your heart, God knows your will, and God 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 knows everything about you. He's omniscient, you know. He's omnipotent. He's he's all knowing. He he knows what's going on. He knows your every thought, and and he knows what's deep down in your heart. And and I can tell you right now, God knows that this is a real thing for us. And and that we plan on whether it be 20 people at our church or 200, that's not my goal. I don't go by numbers because as many of you know, many we're not saved from going to church. We're saved from knowing God and having faith in him. And that's all that matters. Is if, if, And I've always, since I started this ministry, I said, if I could just have one soul be saved through 
my works of for God through his grace and through his will for, for my ministry to have an impact on one individual, then everything I've done in my life is worth it. And I told you that I, I was able to baptize my, my friend Aaron and that we've already accomplished that goal. So now it's it's just to see how much more God has in store for us as a church and as a church family and as we teach people what it means to be a church family and, and what it means to, to teach to be have a biblical family at home, you know, that the father's leading this family and teaching his wife and they're teaching their children at home and they're doing family worship. We're real big on that. And just bringing back that, that core family from the Bible that's been completely lost in society today that society frowns upon actually. And, and standing firm on that truth that we will not budge, that you can say whatever you want about the Bible, that it's not true about God, that he's not real about the, that that it's offensive or or that that you would rather have this progressive relativistic view as a whole and society but we will stand on the word of god at our church and that's it's like the ultimate culmination of my salvation is to to see this progression in my life and that god has given me the ability to even be able to say the things that i've said to you tonight and to to know that they're real and they're true and and if you knew me 10 years ago, you wouldn't believe that I was able, even able to articulate these things to you. So it's a, it's a great story. It's a great process. And even my wife, you know, like she was raised Pentecostal her entire life. And when I initially started teaching her about reform systematic theology and, and showing her where this was derived from in scripture and challenging her, you said, so, so this is interesting too. So it's one thing to challenge an unbeliever on their stance and 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 what why they believe or don't believe the Bible or what they believe in this life. But what I found real interesting from going to all these denominations and, and having so many different Christian friends from different denominations and uh, is that most of them hold so securely and hold so fast to what they've been taught their entire lives. You see, the Bible tells us to to test ourselves according to Scripture to see if we're living in the faith. And a lot of Christians don't do that. A lot of Christians are almost afraid to do that. That it's it's almost like an offense to them if you if you challenge what they believe. And I think that's exactly the opposite of what Scripture tells us to do. And I think that's one of the great things that God has blessed me with is that. And this is one of the things, because I always ask God, like, why would you allow me to live the way I lived and to, to go through this process? Well, one, he allowed me to live the way I lived as a sinner so that I can relate to so many different people and their circumstances as a pastor through life experience that I've been through. And I've, I've seen that. I mean, I, I've counseled couples. Uh, I've done a lot of counseling for my young ministry career. And successfully i would say but all by god's grace but it's because i've i've lived a lot of i've lived a crazy life and and i've god pulled me out of that by his grace and and but but that was the purpose for that i believe was so that as i'm discipling these individuals in my church and even the ones i get a lot of messages on 
Facebook of people I don't even know asking me questions and I'm able to relate my knowledge of scripture with my life experience of being a, a wicked sinner and to, to show them and guide them and direct them on, on ways to that I could, that God can help them and in ways that would help better their life in my opinion. And so just but, one more, right? Yeah. <laughs> just keep know, going yeah. one more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. It's humbling. And then to, to, but with my wife to see her come full circle to, you know, the, with her, it was really cool because a couple of things, you know, uh, I, I would explain some doctrine to her and she would be like, there's no way that's true. She, uh, it would, it would almost be an argument. Um, she would get very mad. And then I'll never forget this moment. I, I was explaining a doctrine to her for the umpteenth time and over a several, several years span. And, uh, her reaction was shocking. It was, I don't know how anybody would believe anything else. And it was like this full circle of like, wow, you, you just affirmed the doctrines of grace. Like, how did that just happen? Like you, you under, like, it was almost like God had lifted this veil off of her, off of her eyes. And, um, it was weird. Uh, it was really cool thing to, to see. And then from there to see her acknowledge that truth and then to grow from that point in time in her, her own faith and, and her own knowledge of scripture is very, very, very cool. And then another interesting thing that happened of recent was I'd been, a, we'd, we've gone through some suffering in our family just recently in the past six, eight months. Uh, with one of my children, uh, we don't need to get into the details of it, but uh, it's been hard on our family. And the the interesting part about that was this all came to light a week before our first service at church. And uh, I have quite a few pastors that I know that are friends of mine, and I'm reaching out to them, and I'm like, man, how do I handle this? You know, and they're like, press on, just press on, just press on. So we did, and uh, it's been nothing but good. But I remember telling my wife, you know, that, that God allowed this to take place in our lives. And we may not understand why or, or what the circumstances are or what the purpose was in the flesh, but one day we will know and that nothing happens outside of the will of God, he, that he didn't do this to us, but he definitely allowed it to take place in our lives. And uh, I'll never forget this either. This was probably four months ago or something. I'm not sure, but excuse me. She hung up the phone on me. She's like, God would never do that. And she hangs up the phone on me. And uh, I don't want to make it sound like me and my wife argue a lot because we don't, but it was, it was real interesting. And uh, we went to a church conference over in Grand Rapids for the weekend, maybe three months ago or something, two months ago. Uh, it was at the Reformed Congregation. They're uh, the Dutch Reformed Church with Joel Beakey. He's a really good pastor that I look up to. But there was this man preaching, and and the it was I it was it was interesting because that conference was on the sovereignty of God through our own suffering in this life. That was the whole topic of the conference, and I'm like, wow, this is really good for us. And this man came from California to speak, and he preached a sermon on the suffering of God and on the sovereignty or on the suffering of us through the sovereignty of God. 
And it was literally point by point everything I had told my wife on the phone that day when she hung up on me. And I, I remember asking her after the sermon, like, what'd you think of that? She's like, wow, that was really good. A lot of that made sense. And I'm like, do you not remember me telling you all that stuff? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, uh, she's like, yeah, but it's different hearing it from somebody else. So like, oh, it's okay. sometimes it's interesting too, when you're trying to disciple your wife and, and teach your wife that, you know, men are taught to teach in humility, but women also have to be humble enough to learn from their husbands at certain times as well. Um, but to test what they say through scripture that, uh, we want to make sure that everything comes from the Bible, you know? So it's just been an interesting process, you know? I mean, I could talk for hours about this because it's, it's all I do. I mean, God is literally the center focal point of my life and yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's not just some phase, like when you're genuinely saved, it's real. Uh, and, and that flame won't go out. You know, I think when somebody says, oh, it's just a phase or, or, oh, they were on fire for a minute, but that flame dies out. Um, you know, and, and not if it's real, right? Not if it's real, because if it's real, you're, you're getting, you're in, you've been justified by faith. So then you've been adopted under the family of God. And now you're in the process of sanctification where God's molding you and mending you to be more like Christ. And though we still live in sin, we have the irreconcilable war between the world and the, the devil and our flesh and the spirit that dwells within us that we're still in this process of growth. And that doesn't mean that we can't fall and stumble at times and that we, we definitely still sin every single day, but, but there's, you should ultimately see growth if you're saved in this life. And we will never be like Christ until the day of glorification, but, but, but sanctification is real in the life of a genuine believer. So that's something that everybody should hold fast to and, and hold the, hold to heart that, that if you're justified by genuine faith in a holy God and it's, it's, it's real, then, then don't give up and, and make sure you just stay consumed in his word and you study the Bible, that, that you learn scripture and, and you find a, a real good mentor that, that knows the Bible and is teaching you the truth and that you're holding them accountable. They can hold you accountable. You know, iron sharpens iron that, that you're, yes. I mean, you, you put on the whole armor of God every single day because you're in a battle as a Christian in this life. I mean, that there's nothing more real than that battle. And it's 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 real in my life every day, you know, and it's just it's cool to see that process in other people once you understand what's taking place. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, we have a we got a squad here called the Shore Up Squad that kind of falls in line with that. Yeah, we call it Shore Up because um, it helps to brace something up or keep something up against pressure. And yeah. it stands for a. Uh, Salvation, helping others remain encouraged, uplifted, and prayerful. And so when people people come to Christ, hopefully, you know, we're, it's always our prayer here on the, on the Godcast that people will call in and ask for Jesus to be in their life. But it's not just through the Godcast, but um, that's a team that, you know, we have for people to land, a good place to land when you first become saved and that they can come up alongside that person and pray with them and share share the bible with them i mean get a bible to them you know help them find a church and um so it's so true that the, about that when you first become a believer that it's so important to have that support so we're fully behind that here so 100 percent, i agree yeah just the accountability factor too you know where 
that's what's cool about our Friday nights and Wednesday nights kind of, but more Friday nights is that, yeah, it's a Bible study, but I mean, I've had men tell, I mean, they're opening up their hearts about their lives and, and when you get comfortable with these individuals and knowing that you can speak your life circumstances and the problems and the trials and the tribulations you're up against and that you can know that you're not being judged, that you're not being criticized, that they're alongside you to build you up and to help you through your situations. Uh, there's nothing better than that this life. See, most of the people in the world, they look at you and they, they want to judge you. They want to pick you apart. They want to point out everything that's wrong with you to make themselves feel better about themselves. But but that's not what we're supposed to do as Christians. We're supposed to build each other up in the faith. And, and accountability helps with that, you know, like accountability and just holding somebody's hand sometimes. And sometimes you need somebody just to talk to, uh, a, a phone number to call, you know, uh, a text message to have. Uh, sometimes you have to drive over and be with somebody. But that's what it's all about, you know. I I tell my church that they're my family, you know, and and I'm way closer to much of my church family than I am my my blood family because they're not saved, you know. Uh, part of my my process in this is that, you know, my my church is three minutes from my parents' house, and my dad's never been to my church. Uh, my mom's been twice. My dad's never heard me preach. Um, at family gatherings, I'm not allowed to talk about God. Um, so just, I mean, my brother has me blocked on my cell phone, so I can't even call him. Uh, he's got me blocked on Facebook. Um, so you just have to know that you will be uh, persecuted for your beliefs too. And that that's just part of Christianity. But But know that if you're being persecuted for a genuine faith in God, that that's ultimately a blessing from God in heaven that it's not something to shy away from and be angry about or upset about. But I mean, there's nothing more glorious and this is going to sound kind of interesting, but I bring on the persecution. If you're mad at me for my faith in God, or if you are convicted by me just talking about God, um, so be it, you know, uh, so be it because we're called to speak the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean you just force the gospel down somebody's throat um, in a malicious or a vindictive way. But we should, as Christians, never be afraid to speak God's word because every soul is going to end up somewhere. Every person you meet has a soul that's going to go somewhere. Um, and our goal should be to get them to go to heaven if possible. Beautiful, Chad. Yeah. A um, couple of things I found really interesting is like, one, you decide to plant a church and there's what, three minutes from your house. And as you're telling the story, I'm looking at Mary and she's smiling and I'm smiling. And, and it's because Mary and I are on the same page. We see God's hand all over this. <laughs> and, it, but it doesn't end there. You know, you get a week from, you're opening and you go through some hardships I mean, and, and it's the spiritual warfare that we go through. Mary and I went through that when we were starting this and it's, you know, we're a week or two out from starting 
this is an official Godcast, and it was like the world was on my shoulders telling me no, and the voices in my head telling me what a coward I am and that I can't do it and I'm not capable. You know, uh, the fear, and it, it's um, it's amazing the spiritual battles that we go through, and uh, and overcome and overcome. Yeah, yeah, I know. I had got to that point where I was like, "You're not stopping me." I'm not going to be stopped. This is God's will. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. It might come off horrible. But we're doing it. <laughs> we're doing I mean, it. Yeah. I mean, I remember reaching out to those pastors and saying, Hey, should I just back out of this? You know, I put all this work in. Should I just bow out? Should I go do one sermon and just bow out gracefully and just say, Hey, this, I thought this was it, but it's not. And not one person said that that was a smart thing to do. Yeah. And one other thing I want to add, just in case, because I'm sure he's going to listen to this, is one of the men that has been, I couldn't have done any of this without him. His name's Kevin Fuller. And uh, he went to that Baptist church that I went to down the street. And he actually ended up leaving there and coming to our church. He actually was like a key in planting the church too what he does is all the audio all the video all the music he does all the worship music um i couldn't have done it without him and thank god for bringing us together and and i watched him slowly grow into the reformed faith as well and it's so interesting when you see somebody grow like that too and and because he was we, he was part of the Bible studies at the other church, and he was always questioning a lot of the things that I would question. And neither of us really knew why at, at that time, but it was because we didn't necessarily believe what we were being taught. And now we teach the whole Bible and to the fullest. And yeah. to watch his growth as well, and just in the past six months even, has been amazing. I mean, we all just got back about a month ago. We went down, we flew down to the G3 conference in Georgia. And I had to fly back early to do my one of my best friend's weddings that Saturday. But we were there for they were there a little bit longer. They stayed an extra half a day. But those two men, the one Aaron, the one that I baptized and Kevin and me, we flew down there and got a room and met up with a bunch of friends. So I, I'm part of this huge reform community on social media, too. And we're actually uh, I got asked to uh, and I can't give out the name of it or anything yet, but we're starting. Uh, a school to disciple young men and I'll be teaching one nice. of the classes and courses at that school as well uh, via zoom uh, a couple months, a couple days a month. And um, it's just, it's uh, I'll be teaching actually on free will. Um, so that's kind of a cool topic of mine that I really enjoy teaching on um, the free will of man. And so, but, it's just watching all these different pieces of the puzzle come together and, and how God works and, uh, you know, just how, how all these opportunities start to open up as long as you just keep on that narrow path. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's all by the grace of God. So, uh, salvation, I'm going to, I got the call in feature opened up here. If anyone wants to call in for salvation and if I can, I want to read Romans 10, nine through 10. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Chad, I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you say to the unsaved? How, 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 do, you, how do you express to them the importance of this change that could occur in their life if, if they would just open up to it? What do you say to the unsaved? Well, so I have a lot of, I mean, you know, I do my job, right? Yeah. And I work at a lot of, a lot of different dealerships. And what's cool about that, and it's been really interesting too, is that. It's like working in Sodom and Gomorrah, them. isn't it? You, yeah. <laughs> but, and I, I'm, I'm going to answer your question, but I want to say one other thing first. So what's cool about that is, is a lot of them are my friends on Facebook too. And, uh, you get to see, so like as Christians, we're the light in the darkness of this world. And you know how guy talk is at the dealerships and stuff like that. I can't tell you how many times I'll walk into a room, into an office, and shh, hear somebody. Shh, curse, shh. Chad's, somebody co- Chad's coming. Chad, shh, shh, shh. Here comes Chad. Shh, yeah. yeah. Or, or uh-huh. oh, or they'll say something like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I'm so sorry. Right. I didn't know you were here. Right. And I don't even have to tell them that I disagree with that, but they just know. And uh, I don't walk around all high and mighty. You know, I, I, I'm i very easygoing and easy to get along with. Um, but just to see the conviction on their hearts just from your presence is the coolest thing. But what do I say to somebody that's unsaved? I usually teach them the gospel. You know, I, I ask them if they know who God is, um, if they've ever thought about who God is. If, if they know the gospel, do you, do you know how Christ came to save? And, and if they say yes, then I'll ask them what the gospel is. And nine times out of 10, probably even 99% of the time, they have no idea how to articulate that. So then I'll, I'll go through and I'll explain the gospel, you know, that the, that the father sent his only begotten son to bear the weight and punishment of our sins on the cross, that he lived the perfect life as the lion and he died the perfect death on the cross for the atonement of our sins, for the propitiation of our sins, and that he died for three days, that he rose from the grave and he ascended into heaven and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father intercessing for us to this day, every minute and every moment of your life, that all you have to do is have genuine faith in him and come to belief in him. And I mean, I just had that conversation uh, last Monday with a, a young man at Applegate Chevrolet. And, you know, I'm not hesitant to talk about God. Uh, and I try to I try to convict my, my men in our group the same way, you know. I give them challenges. Uh, speak to one person about the gospel before we meet next next Friday or next Wednesday or on nice. Sunday. Try to try to try to talk about God to somebody, you know, just, you know. Far too often we're just afraid almost we almost cringe up like yeah. like we're afraid to offend somebody we're afraid to to say the wrong thing but the fact of the matter is is god's with you he will never leave you nor forsake you that he's by your side and and you don't have to have the words the words will come to your lips and and even if you don't say something perfectly it's okay that that the seeds being planted through you and and glory be to god for that because what's greater than that and and just imagine if you had an Aaron story like I do now. Like that's the most fulfilling thing in life. It's not about how much money you make. It's not about the the success from the view of the world in this life. But it's the it's the the impact that you can have on somebody's life in a genuine genuine way that like you see the impact and, and it's real and they they tell you about it and they're like holy smokes. 
did you have you read this Bible verse before? That's my favorite thing. Have you ever have you ever read that one? It's like, <laughs> yeah, why don't let, let's let's study that. Let's 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 dig into that. Let's exposit what that really means in proper context. And and yeah, it's just so cool. You know what I mean? So uh, cool. yeah, I'll, I I I got to share a story too. I'm going to put you on the spot again. Everybody who's listening has their Bible, right? And we've had many Bibles in our lives, but we, we all have that one Bible. Uh, and it's the one that's outlined, that's highlighted, you know, that's that's been dragged through the mud through our whole lives or, you know, that favorite Bible that we have. And uh, Mary, do you have this Bible? Do you have one like I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, every, every verse in Ephesians has got some kind of highlight or mark or notes on the side and and then yeah. can you imagine if you just lost that bible if it just fell out of your life i mean how would that make you feel it's hard to give it up isn't it yeah chad do you want to tell us what you did with your bible do you know what i'm yeah, talking about because, yeah you won't believe this actually so that family i bought all the bibles for that i was telling you about mm-hmm they have an older son and uh he comes to our wednesday or friday nights once in a great while i think he's been three times now and he never had a bible and i had a bible that i that just like you say it's highlighted like crazy underlined it's got it's the one i used to preach out of it's got all my sermon notes in there right and yeah. um i gave it to him and i remember my buddy aaron the one that i baptized crying He's like, dude, you just gave him your Bible. Like, that's your Bible. Like, that's the, that's, <laughs> that's that's like got everything in it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? It does. But I have another one, and I can do that again. And how cool is it that he has all my notes? He has every everything that I emphasized from the underlining, from the highlighting, and uh, it is very cool. Think, it is very cool. And and I'll I gotta interrupt you and tell you why. I have my grandmother's Bible. Now she passed away a month before I graduated high school. So she passed away in like May of 93 or something like that. March of 93. Okay. And I have her Bible and it is so cool to look at what she found was important in that Bible. And then you, I know my grandmother and I know her life and I know how these, how these scriptures guided her through her life and and made her who she was and it is so neat to see a bible and to know who owned it before and have all these highlights and outlines and it's it's really cool so that is super cool because he's yeah. he's he's got a lot to learn and study from and and uh you he's pointed out all the good money, you know what i mean yeah he <laughs> does man that's amazing that is such an amazing it's like gift. uh and what it's like getting a I fish finder know. with a thousand waypoints on it you know yeah. what I mean? Like all the hot spots. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like there's nothing cooler, man. So and I don't know how many of us are even thinking, like, who what who's that person? Like, I think all of us are have that in our mind right now. Who's that person I can give that Bible to? So yeah, <laughs> and that's and that's my next thing, and that's where I've arrived at is for our listeners, man. I know you got that Bible, and who who would benefit from that Bible the most? Find that person in your life. Amen. Love it, man. Okay, Mary. Um, 
I, I, I know I'm so sorry. I forgot the beginning. We usually ask people if you got any prayer requests, please tag Mary. So I don't know if anyone has any, but if they do, uh, and you're in the live chat, please go ahead and put that prayer request in now. I know Mary's asked for it earlier, but just for a reminder, if she missed it, please put it back in there now. And Mary, can you also, when you close out, pray for Chad and his family? Um, Chad, I have the same thing in my family. Um, you know, my father grew up in the, um, going to church. He was a Catholic and, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, I can't convince them to come to church, you know? So I know what you're going through. It's, it's hard when you see the ones that you love and, and you, and you just can't, just can't push them over that hill or push them over that spot. So Mary, if, if you could please pray for Chad and his, his family, his father, his brother, um, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I certainly will. I, I also didn't see anything in the chat for someone who had specific uh, prayer requests, but I do have a, a list going here too. But so, Lord, we just wanna we wanna bring it to you right now. Thank you, thank you for tonight. Thank you for um, this platform that it's all about you, Lord. And what a, a better way to spend a Friday night than to be talking about you. And so we just thank you that you have brought Chad here tonight. We thank you for that friendship that was started so long ago with Ron and that, um, you know, Lord, you direct our steps. And so it's not lost on us that you directed those steps for them to meet and for him to be here tonight to share all about you. And so, Lord, we pray for a blessing over Chad and his family and the ministry that he has planted in your name. And we, we, we just pray a blessing over that entire church and that congregation and his, his family specifically, Lord. We, we pray for um, just any restoration or healing or anything that, that um, that you already have in mind in that family, Lord. We pray for your will in that. We pray that any challenges or struggles that they uh, may go through or any extended family even that um, isn't quite there yet with you, Lord, that um, that Chad would just be that presence in their life of showing you. And, Lord, it just sounds like he's more about the showing you than telling you and so um also pray for any divine appointments you already have in mind for him at um any other places that he might go and any other groups of people that he might talk to lord and we just ask for uh just a strengthening of his family and all of the extended family and his friends that they would have a strengthening of their relationship with you, Lord, and that they would see something in Chad's life and in Chad's family that they they want and they see of you, Lord. It's all for you. Lord, we want to lift up Ron and um, his health and his kids and um, 
just this crud that's been going around and we just pray a healing overrun right now in the name of Jesus that he would just be able to breathe better tonight that he any congestion would be gone in the name of Jesus that it would just be rooted out and we also pray for Ron's dad we pray for his relationship with you Lord we also pray that um that Ron would he's also that light that can be just showing you rather than telling you so help him um with those opportunities that he'll be able to step into that and he'll he'll recognize it and we also want to lift up um Jamie's mom and her family in the car accident they had last week and we want to praise you and thank you for her recovery and it's going so much better and um we just also pray that her the pain would just be um lessened as each day goes by and that the swelling and bruising would all just be um would all just be gone lord and we also uh lift up jim and his family and um all the things that he's been going through with um, losing his son and we just pray for strengthenings of, of relationships we pray for any um any investigations or anything that needs to go on with that 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 would just be um there would be clarity in it and we also lift up duncan and reyna and thank you that they're getting so much better and we thank you that they're back back with their podcast and um we've all missed him so much and along with that we we also look forward to jeff s coming back and we pray for his health as well and his wife and um i also want to lift up personally my friend becky and her sister and she lost her brother-in-law um this week and so she's staying now with her sister and we just pray that she'll also be a light in that situation and we pray um just a peace over the family and i think that's all i can think of right now lord but um again thank you for bringing chad tonight and thank you that we just get to talk to you and i don't know if that happens a lot on friday nights but it sounds like it happens a lot at Chad's house. So we thank you for that. And we thank you that we get to talk about you here. Thank you for your story. Thank you for your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary. Awesome, Chad. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. That was that was good. That was fun. Oh, I got to tell I you. Anytime you want. <laughs> I have a question. So you all can't see this, but we're in a Zoom. And he, when he's talking about books, um, how many books are behind you? <laughs> uh, it looks like a couple thousand there. Is books, literally. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is probably the biggest so, library I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's it's pretty crazy it's absurd you know uh 
I, there's thousands of books here. I'm not making that up. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. <laughs> wow. Hey, Chad, stick around. We're going to say our goodbyes. Uh, and then after we close out the show, stick around on Zoom. We'll st- just want to talk to you a little bit after the show. But No problem. I got to tell you, man, I'm, I'm so proud of you and what you've become. You're an amazing man and a great example to me and to others. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I love you, I man. I appreciate that. Love you too. You know, I, I thought you were a great guy ten years ago before you before I knew that you knew Christ. And uh now I like you even <laughs> now I like you even more. <laughs> I'm I'm glad because I'm a way better guy now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. Well good. Um uh, everyone that's listening here, thank you so much for joining us tonight and listening. Um we appreciate all your support here at this as an official godcast and when I say support, I don't mean money. Don't ever send money. We don't want your money. We don't need it. We don't want it. Just send prayers. We love your prayers. We love your support. Thank you for that. All right. Uh, I'll leave you with this. My dearest friends, let us not forget. We're here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to share the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please find that person you love that does not know him and share your testimony. Do it today thanks guys love ya love you too Jesus said that if I thirst I should come to Him. No one else can satisfy. I should come to Him. Jesus said, if I am weak, I should come to Him. No one else can be my strength, I should come to Him. For the Lord is good and faithful, He will keep us day and night. We can always run to Jesus, Jesus strong and kind. Jesus said that if I fear, I should come to Him. No one else can be my shield, I should come to Him. For the Lord is good and faithful, He will keep us day and night. We can always run to Jesus, Jesus strong and kind. Jesus said, if I am lost, he will come.
Jesus strong and kind. <laughs> Who sings that? Someone wants to know. Me do. I do every Sunday. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll, I'll post that up on the uh, Telegram page. I can't remember. I got it saved on my YouTube channel and I'll, I'll post that up. Okay. Uh, so I'm sorry. I don't uh, know off the top of my head, but whoever's, whoever's asking, if you go to our Telegram page, this is an official Godcast. I'll have the video posted up there for you. Yep. Great question. Sorry, I don't have the answer. Hope you still love me. <laughs> oh, thank you, Chad, again. Mary, thank you. It's been a wonderful week. We look forward to seeing you uh, next week, everybody listening. Next week is Jay Cress. So please yes. join us next Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Podbean for Jay Cress. Be dad. All right. It'll be fun. You don't want to miss yep. out. Until then, God bless. We love you. Thank you so much. Thank you.